Hello, and welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast. I'm Philip Gomes, and with me today are four, not two, not three, but four. Jamie finch Manager, are you going to say anything? Yeah, I'll say something. Okay. Hey, how are you doing, Phil? Oh, thank you, man. Good work last night, by the way. Uh, Kath Bicknell? Good afternoon. <laughs> A female voice. <laughs> A female how did that voice. happen? With jet lag. <laughs> that, <laughs> and, uh, of course, as always, uh, Anthony Tan. Bonjour, Phil. Bonjour. Uh, overnight, uh, Mark Cavendish, this on stage, uh, stage six, Mark Cavendish cemented his status as the Tour's uh, greatest sprinter when he claimed the 29th, his 29th stage victory in the race. Um, and he's now outright second place on the list of all-time Tour stage winners ahead of Bernard the Badger Hino, and five shy of Eddie Merckx's record, uh, which is pretty amazing. Cav has now won half the stages in this year's race, so it's safe to say that whatever happens over the Pyrenean stages this weekend, he's won the man of the match to the rest day. Uh, clearly been the best, uh, most interesting rider of the first uh, first nine days, I reckon. So now it looks like he's going to be on his way to Paris. I don't think he can resist uh, doing that with the uh, with the green jersey. Uh, the peloton uh, is now headed off to stage seven. So the first serious kind of climbing, and uh, it's going to shake up the race probably, which is the 162.5 kilometers to Lac de Peau, featuring the uh, Col d'Espin, which is one of the well-known climbs in the Tour de France. I think I'll start. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Anthony Cav. Anything, anything else to say about him? Well, he has, I think you mentioned he surpassed uh, Bernard Hinault's 28th stage win. So he, he's often said that he's not in the same league because those guys are GC riders. But I think we have to say he's in a league of his own. He's now the best sprinter cycling has ever seen. We should be actually quite fortunate, consider ourselves fortunate to witness someone this good because maybe there won't be another Cavendish. Yeah, at least for a while anyway. Um, your take, Jamie, because you, you, were, uh, you were live last night and you watched the, uh, watched the entire stage, so takeaways? Yeah, um, I'm not so sure how much watching it live ex- um, gleans you extra information. In this case, it was probably detrimental because it was a bit of a snooze fest. Um, <laughs> so you're kind of battling to stay awake there coming into the finish. So, um, you know, you might have missed a thing or two. But yeah, it was it was significant because he beat Kittel in a straight up drag sprint to the line. I mean, they started on pretty much equal footing in that last 200 metres and it just went, you know, as fast as they could to the line and... Cavendish showed that he's the faster of the t- of the two this at this um, race. This tour, um, Kath, uh, and it, any takes on mental strength? Uh, you, you've got some words on. This, I've got I some think. words on that. All I, right. I, so Phil and I have been working the morning news shift together, and I keep having little comments about the riders' states of mind. And and Cavendish, if you watch, there's a video interview with him and Renshaw on the site that we put up today, and you see the most relaxed, confident, winning Cav. He's back. It's such a good team environment for him and he seems to really excel in that, whereas it started to look a bit toxic and full of pressure for him at Etik's quick step last year. What do you you reckon is the the reason for that, Anthony? Well, he wasn't just less than happy at Etik's. He was less than happy at Sky as well. I think where he did best was HTC High Road and he was probably under the most pressure there. He, he was the number one guy among a team of stars. I mean, you have to remember they had um, Boisson Hagen there, Renshaw, Isol, um, Greipel was there. So, uh, Goss, I, back when he was good. Yeah, and Goss when he was good. I don't know what he's doing now. That That's a story for another Is, isn't podcast. Isn't he running a pub in Tasmania somewhere? Uh, Tomo said he's driving, he's 
doing the Uber, Uber rounds. Rams, yeah. yeah, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. Don't believe anything that Thomas says. Uh, but I would have to say, uh, I don't know, Cavendish, he, he likes his having his back up against the war almost because so many people said he couldn't do it and that's when he does do it. Uh, and now you just feel that what he wants to achieve at the Olympic Games is a, almost a fait accompli uh, because... Big call. To, to, to beat... Kittel, I didn't even think he would he would Kittel would be there, but then I, I imagined the stage to unfold quite differently. But then when I thought about it more in the context of what happened the previous day, it was so hard with Movistar setting a ridiculous tempo. So we can't expect these guys in this cleaner era to to ride full gas every day. So I understand that they're having a, a bit of a day off. It doesn't do much for the TV viewing audience, but we have to accept this is how they're racing. And then remembering from tonight, we've got three back-to-back stages yeah. in the Pyrenees. Yeah. Um, uh, Anthony mentioned, you know, pretty much the HTC band is kind of back together. So you've got uh, Isil, you've got Renshaw. Uh, the lead out last night, um, Renshaw was saying it was a little bit messy. Is that the way it looked to you? Oh, very messy. Mm. Um, they were, by the time they got into the final kilometre, there weren't any significant lead outs left on the front and it was just riders going every which way and getting moved around in the washing machine um, effect that you can sometimes get at the end of sprint stages and it was only uh, Fabio Sabatini I think from Edix Quickstep that managed to bring some semblance of normalcy to the proceedings when he moved up um, Kittel and with Kittel um, you had Cavendish right on Kittel's wheel so um, that that moved those two to the front and gave them the chance to go for the win. But behind them was a bit of a mi- bit of a mess, which is probably why you saw Dan McClay from Fortune Fortuneo Vital Concept, not a team name you say often, but he came third. And uh, yeah, good on good on him. Yeah, he was up uh, he was up there a little bit earlier as well. So I think it's always good for the sport when you know when we have happy Cav. <laughs> yes. Well, he's funny Cav and funny Cav. He's enjoyable, Cav. If, if, you have a, comes if, if you have a chance, you really need to go to the website and have a look at this interview with, uh, first there's Mark Renshaw and then there's Cav, Cav with David McKenzie. And uh, I think that Cav and David McKenzie are sort of developing a bit of a, uh, a straight man, uh, bent man kind of comedy routine uh, going on because uh, Cav was as loose as I've ever seen him, a real loose unit. Yeah, I, I don't mind Cav at his snarky best as well like he's he's good in all guises uh, i also probably just on a more serious note i do want to mention that you, you said the hdc band got back is getting back together uh they've been at pains both Ca- uh, cavendish um renshaw as well as i saw i uh, heard last night they're, they're saying it's not the htc band it's it's very much a reduced group their, their dimension data are very different from htc high road uh htc was sponsored by bob stapleton you know a, a telco billionaire dimension data don't have nearly that budget and it's um you know it's it's not um you know they're not living in squalor but then they're not doing it as you know as they were at htc high road kath i mean obviously this cavendish's uh, resurgence is going to have an effect on guys like kittle and uh Greipel. Yeah, well, it was interesting in the in the Giro d'Italia, you you heard comments about Greipel's confidence, and we just think of these guys as incredible. But to hear how 
how his confidence grew after he started to win and he could he you know you can almost get that extra power at the end once you can back yourself that extra way so and and we were starting to wonder in the jury we saw big gaps from the winner to second place but here we've we've got it all that's tight it's exciting and confidence has you know really big implications hmm. too like we had what three days in a row with photo finishes practically to sort out second and first we can't uh, we can't not talk about the stage uh, and not talk about Greg uh, Van Avermaet, the, the man in the yellow jersey, because it's a big deal, really, to win a yellow jersey. Can he? Is he going to hold that for for a while? Is he going to hold it tonight? Yes, I think. <laughs> it's got five it, minutes and yeah. eleven seconds. Yeah, well, five minutes. It's a big gap, but he's you know not a specialist climber, and the question is, I don't think BMC will really want him to hold it. So they might just say, oh, you know, if you if you fall off the if it's easy to fall off the back, maybe you should do it, Greg, because um, we don't want to be working on the front any more than we need to before it gets to the proper high mountains. So uh, I don't know. I think we'll it'll be an interesting talking point at least after the stage tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we should uh, we should probably just look forward just a little bit to tonight's stage. Um, as mentioned, it's the uh, Col d'Asma, uh, 162.5 kilometers. Uh, it's not really not. It's not huge in terms of climbing meters, but 3,058. Two climbs, uh, one intermediate sprint. Uh, Anthony, you've looked at that stage. How does it look? Well, I'd, I'd probably say based on what will in, uh, unfold, uh, I think uh, Van Avema will hold on unless he purposely loses time because you've really only got that one climb of the Aspen. It's 12 kilometers at 6.5%. It's not hard enough for, to lose that much time. Uh, as I said in yesterday's pod, you know, uh, Prudhomme and Gouverneur, the guys who designed the course, uh, th- they didn't like how it finished last year to La Pierre Saint-Martin where Froome annihilated everyone and then just had to hold on to the lead till till Paris. They, they, that, this is why not just uh, tonight's stage but tomorrow's stage finishing in Bagnier de Luchon, uh, you've got downhill finishes. They're, they're, that's why I sort of pose, is this the anti-Froome tour? But I don't think he's that bad on the downhill. He's Obviously, his centre of gravity isn't as good because he's a taller rider, but I think he's better than, say, uh, shall we say, Stephen Kreuzweg, who, <laughs> who, who who lost the Giro pretty much as a result of the downhill. So people who people say, well, can you win... A tour on a downhill, no, but you can lose a tour on a downhill. So, uh, Jamie, do you think uh, do you think we're going to expect a, a little bit of a raid on the on the descent um, from, say, movie star who are, who love doing that sort of thing? Maybe a, a bit of a guy named Nibbly. Yeah, or a guy named Bardet who loves attacking on the downhill. Um, yeah, I think we'll definitely see some guys have a go. I mean, whoever's feeling good is going to want to have a hit out, and you know, at least. Um, show everyone that they've got what it takes to be up there this year when it turns in terms of the GC classification because there's plenty of guys on that second level. I mean, you've probably got Froome, um, Quintana up there at the top now now that the um, Contador's not looking so crash hot. Um, but there's so many guys on that second level who are going to be hoping to step up onto the podium like Pinot, Bardet, um, Aru, uh, Buggy, you know, all those names that could potentially step um, step up are going to you know, really look to be pushing their case. Kath, uh, you like descending, don't you? I love descending. <laughs> Road riders are so funny because they, they put all their energy into climbing and, you know, at a club level, 
everything falls apart on the descents. You know, riders, they, they get their pride from how well they climb and they don't almost, they almost don't care about how well they descend. In the tour, you, you can't be a bad descender, you know, because <laughs> yeah. everything goes out the window. So you've got you to work on it. And I, I think Froome would have been working on it. Yeah, I, I would probably, um, you know, before Jamie says Bardet, I, I was about to say I thought he was, he he could be a, a good guy to win a stage. He's he's a bit underrated as a descender because you don't think he could hold his own because uh, perhaps because the French have had a reputation for not doing so well in the descents, particularly Thibaut Pinot. But the, those guys have done a lot of work in areas where they've fallen short previously for example you know uh fdj now a very good team time trial squad so uh they they do learn and uh i i just think uh yeah this this is the way that the organizer the designers have constructed it so that we see a a bit more suspense if you like jamie is it going to be a GC winner tonight, uh, like a GC type guy, or do you think it'll be sort of like the next tier from there? Uh, I think it will probably be a breakaway. You know, truth be told, it it's that sort of profile where it's hard to chase, and I don't think that the peloton are going to have a massive motivation to chase down um, a move like that. So, I mean, there's bonus seconds on the line for the winner, but I don't think any team would be convinced enough in their favourite at the moment to do do the chasing for the entire stage to bring it back for a win from one of the favourites. So do you think um, maybe this is where the King of the Mountains battle actually starts? Um, there aren't that many. I mean, there's there's a couple of categorised climbs, but you really need to get those HC climbs and the Cat 1 climbs, you know, a number of them on the stage for it to be a massive battle for that a Mountains jersey. But I think it, the jersey will change hands today unless Thomas DeGent gets in the move, so... Yeah, I mean, it could be one for, you know, Daniel Tekleheimanot or Cyril Gautier or whoever wants to go for the, the Mountains classification this year. Adam Adam Hansen? Yeah, I feel the, the, the polka dot jersey will definitely be decided tomorrow. Just, uh, uh, what, stage change. eight. You've got... R- rather than decided, changed hands, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Well, perhaps decided because you've got Tourmalet, you've got, uh, Ancezan, you've got uh, Val Laurent, Perisord, and then finishing in Bagnier de Luchon. You, this might be a day where if there is a breakaway and the guy just laps up all the points, uh, it might be very difficult to to peg those him back. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so I'll just jump in there. The the big decider on, on the mountains classification is those summit finishes because they get double points in the mountains classification, which is why in the past few years we've seen um, the favourites take the, the GC favourites also take out the mountains classification because they win those summit finishes. I think um, stage eight is going to be on the mind of the GC guys tonight as well, and they won't want to burn too many matches ahead of that next battle. Which yeah. is a bit more crucial. In fact, when I saw comments from Port and Van Garderen, they're already talking about even further than that. They're talking about the stage nine to Andorra. That's what they're most concerned about. It, it feels that they're not saying it, but what they're most concerned about is a Colombian guy, Quintana. Anyway, that's that. That'll cover it basically for tonight. And uh, please tune in 10 p.m. tonight on SBS and fire up this Skoda Tour Tracker and watch it online underneath the Duna. It's cold.
It's a good way to watch it on your phone. Your partner won't mind at all. Partner might be watching it too. That's well, there is that too. Yeah, it's a shared experience under the <laughs> Duna. What um, happens if you don't have a partner? Do you have to have a blow-up doll or something? I'm just <laughs> speculating. I do have a partner, but I'm just wondering. Uh, yeah. some <laughs> hold a tour party. You've, you've thrown, you've thrown me, you've thrown me. Yeah, yeah. You've thrown oh, me, sorry. Carry, carry, carry on, Phil. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted. Um, I was actually thinking about. This. So this thing dropped in my inbox, and immediately you came to mind because I know that you know you're kind of a fan of uh, a bit of Gonzo type uh, type writing when writing when you uh, when you go to these events, and and for some of you have been following along for many years. Um, Anthony wrote a, a really hilarious post that he was uh, bucketed for uh, many years ago, uh, where he got a massage at the uh, press at the press tent, at the press uh, center at the Tour de France. And he wrote about having this, uh, this massage and hanging out. And, and, uh, and the fans were just absolutely ropeable, and they just they smashed you something fierce. But I thought it was a great piece, because I love that kind of color. So uh, Ethics Quickstep has invited, uh, and I'm sure you're going to miss this. You're going to wish you were there, because Ethics Quickstep has invited everyone to an annual muscles party, <laughs> right, at the Tour on the rest day. Okay, so and the way to subscribe, it's going to take place in Andorra, obviously. And uh, uh, all you have to do is show your press badge. I know you don't have one right now, but and you can't fly over there. And I mean, well, you could actually make it I in time for this. I could make it if I leave straight after this uh, pod. That's <laughs> and um, so they're saying uh, present your press badge at the entrance of this wonderful world to reveal to you a world of chit chat, relaxation, cold beer and 300 kilos of muscles. Right, where you can talk with our sport directors about the opening week of the tour. The lunch will be served from 12.30 until 2. And considering that a recent study came to the worrying conclusion that muscles will go extinct in a couple of decades due to climate change, make sure you mark this day in your agenda. How could you not go to that? The strange thing is for me is that they have had that in the past, but the strangest uh, rest day party I went to, or hosted by a team, was when Garmin, which is now Cannondale Drapak, also had a muscles party. Really? But I was thinking, we're in front. Maybe it was when the tour visited Belgium, but I just thought, why is an American team hosting a party where they're serving uh, muscles and freeze? But I, I went along and I stuffed my face. Right. Yeah. But yes. does it concern you that, that this upcoming muscles party is actually pre-extincting the muscles that they're worried we're, we're, about yeah, by serving up 300 <laughs> kilograms of the poor little things? <laughs> I would probably go if Jean-Claude Van Damme hosted the party. The muscles from yeah, Brussels. Yeah. Eating muscles. Yes. <laughs> Eating muscles with the muscles from Brussels. Uh, uh, Jamie, have you ever had a, you know, a nice press center experience uh, where, you know, somebody put on muscles or something nice for you or just too early in the game for you? Oh, far too early in the game for me. I'm lucky to get a bottle of water. Um when I'm when I'm at a race, um, I've yet to yet to have a media car experience. I've I've been slumming it um, e- either in team cars or by myself rushing to finishes. So, Tanny's talking about the high life there from from my perspective. It's all gone now. I mean, this is you, you're working for a public broadcaster, Jamie. Don't expect <laughs> Phil to bring out the muscles. Although Phil, um, may, may, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're getting paid a lot more than. I know about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, what's your? Uh, you you go on a lot of junkets, Kath. You you know. I'll queen, work hard for those, sure. Yeah, you, you do yeah, work hard for the junkets, yeah, but you know Miss you're Rafa, always Miss Rafa. Miss Rafa. You're in always in New Zealand. <laughs> ambassador for everyone. Ambassador <laughs> in New Zealand. You're doing stuff with Queensland tourism. You're going to Queenstown. I mean, every time I open up your Twitter feed, you're somewhere else. Um, what's your best feed at, at these events? Have you had a good one? Well, I was just actually thinking. Um, 
I couldn't think of a best feed, but I spent two weeks in South Africa writing about mountain biking and a mountain bike race. And in the middle of it, we spent three days in a safari park where you had your own animal-themed room in the safari park. Glamping. Well, it was something next level. Like, there was no tent. It was this room with um, two bathtubs inside the room and two showers inside the room for one person, two outdoor showers. And then outside the window of the outdoor shower, there was a giraffe. And you had to catch a little golf buggy to dinner so that you didn't get eaten by a lion. And that was next level. It's the next wow. level experience. I'll, I'll correct myself early. I do get occasionally more than a bottle of water. I got a sandwich at the tour down under. <laughs> it's better than being the sandwich. I, supp- I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Or a muscle sandwich, or a muscle they ha- sandwich. where they haven't removed the shell. That's right. Um, <laughs> so on that note, um, we should uh, we should bring this to an end. We've gone a, li- gone a little bit over time from uh, what we normally schedule. But um, again, just to remind you that uh, tonight's broadcast starts at... 10 p.m. Uh, and join um, Phil, Paul, Matt, Maka, Hank, Tomo, and of course Robbie McEwen in the broadcast. And they're going to bring you a lot of fun and entertainment uh, from the evening. So tune in, SBS and the Skoda Tour Tracker. 